Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey, Accepting God's Will, Part 1. Accepting the will of God presents a challenge for all of us. We love it when His will means everything works out according to our desires. But if it doesn't, it's common that we struggle. I want to share a story today to help us gain some understanding on this. The story of Lazarus found in John 11. Starting in verse 1, the NIV says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. As the story begins, we see close friends of Jesus in the midst of a painful event. Bethany was about two miles from Jerusalem, and it wasn't uncommon for Jesus to stay with this family when he was in the area. This is the same Mary and Martha who had a little blame and bitterness going on earlier when Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his teaching rather than help Martha get dinner on the table. But Mary is not the same woman who anointed Jesus' feet with perfume in Luke 7. Same act, different women. This family is part of Jesus' inner circle, so it's not a stretch for the sisters to say, Lord, the one you love is sick. The situation was quite serious, so they sent someone to find Jesus and tell him they needed him right away. Let's keep going. Verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Great news, the disciples are thinking. Lazarus isn't going to die after all. We're going to hightail it back to Bethany, and Jesus, as he said, is going to heal him. We knew he loved this family and would help them. And he promises God will be glorified. So far, so good. Now, they weren't anywhere near Bethany. They were on the other side of the Jordan River, so they needed to hurry. Let's keep going. Verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. What? He stayed there two more days? Why? That doesn't make any sense. Lazarus doesn't just have a bad cold. He's close to death. Time is of the essence. Then the disciples mention an important detail. Verse 8, But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews were trying to stone you, and yet you're going back? Hey, Jesus, are you sure you want to go back there? If you do, you're putting your life on the line. And maybe ours, too. The next thing Jesus says is not particularly helpful. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Okay, that's weird. 
Jesus is giving a little science lesson about hours of daylight. What's going on? He was making a point, cryptic though it was. God is sovereign. He's over every aspect of life, over time and space. You are limited and thinking in human terms, but God has no such limitations. Time is your issue, not his. They wouldn't get it today, but later on they would. Verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Oh, what a relief. Jesus isn't ignoring his friend after all. Lazarus is going to make it. This thing we've all been dreading is going to work out. I knew it. I knew Jesus wouldn't let his friend die. Verse 12. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. The disciples are minimizing the reality. It's really not as bad as it looks, a technique we sometimes use to make God's choices more palatable. Let's pretend things aren't as bad as they seem. Jesus says Lazarus has fallen asleep. As we'll see in a second, Lazarus is truly dead. So why does Jesus say he's just asleep? A little detour here. Speaking of Jairus' daughter, in Luke 8.52, the NIV says, Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. Then in 1 Corinthians 15.6, After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. When believers die, they are not really dead, as in they don't exist anymore. God has put them in a state akin to sleep. That's the word Jesus used more than once. While this doesn't lessen our grief when we lose a loved one, it is a great encouragement that they really are not dead. They are just gone from us for a time. However, when the disciples hear Jesus say Lazarus is asleep, they have the wrong idea. So Jesus sets them straight. Verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake. I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Nope, that's not it, Jesus says. Lazarus really is dead. You're kidding, right? If you can't help Lazarus, how can there be any hope? And you're glad he's dead? I'm so confused. You know what? God is usually doing things in a different way than we would. We usually view our situations through what we personally see and know. But God is unlimited. He has all power. And he always has a plan, a plan that is good. But we don't give him a chance. And he chooses not to proceed beyond unbelief. But Thomas rallies and says in verse 16, Let us also go that we may die with him. Well, if we're going to die, then let's all go die together. Yeah, I think that's a little weird myself. So everyone heads back to Bethany, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. 
Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Can you imagine how Mary and Martha feel at this point? When they sent for Jesus, their brother was still alive, but Jesus lingered and didn't rush to their side. Now Lazarus is gone. He's been dead four days. Yes, Jesus wasn't in the neighborhood, but he was only 30 miles away. He could have made it back in a day or so if he'd wanted to. How would you feel? I mean, you cooked and cleaned for him. You've put him up in your home. You've been friend for years. And then, in the hour of your greatest need, he can't even be bothered to show up in time? Wow, that's disappointing. Jesus arrives at the edge of town and Martha is waiting for him. Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is your fault, Jesus. You could have saved him, but you didn't. You know what the name Lazarus means? God is my help. I wonder if Martha was questioning her parents' wisdom, giving this name to her brother. But then a little hope rallies inside Martha. Verse 22. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know, he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus encourages her with the truth about the resurrection. And Martha says, yeah, yeah, I know, we'll all be raised one day. This is pretty impressive, actually. Jesus has not yet been crucified and resurrected, but Martha knows and believes in the resurrection already. And listen to her next declaration, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Martha has astounding faith. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. She is one of the very few who get the big picture prior to his death and resurrection. Martha knows God. Martha believes God. So why is she going through this crisis of her faith? Let's keep going, verse 28. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So Mary arrives next. She's suffering, broken, completely at a loss since burying her brother. She greets Jesus with the same statement. If you'd been here, 
my brother wouldn't have died. Her heart is raw with unbelievable pains. So much is implied in that statement. I know you're God. I know all power belongs to you. I know you control life and death. I know if you had been, I know if you had wanted to, you could have taken care of this. The outcome would have been different. And I don't know what to do with that information. God, I can't reconcile what I know to be true of you with what has happened. I don't get it. How could you ignore my cry? What has led you to feel disappointment with God? What have you lost? Maybe not a brother or family member to death, but maybe you have. Who has died? Who has walked out? Have you lost a loved one? What has caused you to send a message to God only to hear nothing back? Have you lost a job? Lost financial security? Lost your home? Lost your dreams? Your identity? What painful event occurred in your life after you asked God to prevent it? Have you been through a divorce? Lost financial stability? Struggled with disease? This world is not a fun place. Tragedy is all around us, even when it's not currently living in our house. What have you lost? Did it challenge your faith? Did it raise scary questions? Did doubt begin to creep in and eat away at your faith? Did it cause you to pull away from God? What does Jesus know that we don't know? Jesus loved Mary and Martha as much as he loved anyone. Yet he did not rush to spare them suffering and grief. Why not? Isn't that always the goal? <laughs> well, it's certainly always our goal. So how do we reconcile what we know about God with the painful events of our life? Come back next week for part two as I attempt to answer those questions. All scripture is from the 2011 NIV, unless otherwise stated. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.